0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, everyone, welcome to the Inferno episode 12. This is Dan Scott and also my co host. Patrick Batillo, aka Mr. Orange, the Sun super fan, is here with me from Chicago. How you doing, man? Hey,
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Great, and we got a lot to cover today. We're going to talk about DeAndre in re-signing with the team. He resigned earlier this week, uh, officially Monday, I believe. Is that correct? Uh, that was for the four-year, 133 million max deal that was matched. To the Indiana Pacers sheet, uh, offer sheet was the biggest in NBA history from the Indiana Pacers. And that went as of uh, last Thursday uh, when it was within a matter of minutes. Pacers signed, they offered him at 12 p.m. Thursday and the Suns immediately matched it. And uh, within a matter of uh, a three second, minutes. Three minutes, yeah. Record time, man. So it was crazy. So the thing about Aiden we're going to discuss is, all the other the Valley sports heroes, such as Kyler Murray and Devin Booker, they had extensions too. Kyler Murray just signed his five-year extension for $230 million, which puts him as the second highest paid player in the NFL, the highest paid in Arizona Cardinals history, and the second most in guarantees uh, money behind Aaron Rodgers. So uh, I'm sorry, behind Sean Watson and Aaron Rodgers, number one. I have my trusty daughter with me, uh, she, this is Cortland Scott. <laughs> Love <And> this, it. <laughs> she's in the background, and I'm, you know, just getting her fed, and and also uh, she's having fun with us. So we're just going to talk some Valley sports today, as well as you in Chicago. You're in Chicago because of one of your basketball and volleyball players uh, from Peoria High School, correct? I didn't even yeah, know correct. you were a volleyball player. I mean, our bo- volleyball coach. I didn't even know that.
1: Yeah, yep. I coach volleyball as well. And uh, Isaac Gomez played both uh, volleyball and basketball uh, for me and uh, is a phenomenal volleyball talent and had the opportunity to come play at the next level uh, at Jetson University. So uh, here helping uh, he and his family get acclimated and uh, go to orientations and whatnots before uh, he reports here in just under a
0: month. Well, congrats to your student and student-athlete going to the college is a feat in itself. And let alone to continue playing uh, the sport that he loves uh, or that she loves, and then to have just your coach support uh, over there and the city there, he's going to college. Uh, That's really, really commendable on your part, man. I I can't say that enough. And going forward, we're going to discuss also, besides the contract extensions of Valley Sports Biggest Stars, we'll discuss uh, the All-Star Game on Tuesday as well as... Uh, the Big Bird versus Tarasi final regular season matchup uh, between the Mercury versus Seattle Storm uh, tonight, uh, Friday, June, July 22nd. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said June. I keep going back to June. I'm <laughs> stuck in June. Maybe because of the draft and that's yeah. action happening. I'm still stuck in the Kevin Durant thing. That's still pending. Uh, we'll whisk on that. But anyway, what is it about... Valley sports now that you see with Kyler Murray, Devin Booker, and also DeAndre, and now signing their deals. Do you feel like this is something to give the Valley sports fans a breath of fresh air, or do you feel like there's more pressure on them now that they have these extensions? Meaning that Devin Booker signed his uh, four-year extension for two hundred twenty-four, uh, as he's uh, is going in the second to last year of his rookie deal for one hundred fifty-three million.
1: You know, I think a little bit of all of it. I think, one, you got to take each as its own slice of the pie, um, if you will, uh, because I don't think anyone will want to relate Devin Booker to DeAndre and to Kyler Murray. Uh, But when you do talk about Valley sports in general, you know, those are three big contracts, and um, I think – I would be safe to say um, in this order, Devin Booker, Kyler Murray, then DeAndre Ayton, you would find uh, the least to the most disagreement or problem, if you will, with signing those max um, extensions from each of those in that order. Devin Booker having, you know, probably the least amount of concern coming from most Valley sports fans. Um, You know, Kyler Murray right behind that potentially. And then DeAndre, I think, would have the most kind of conversation uh, and opinion around it. But definitely a very busy time uh, in the Valley for uh, contracts and uh, big commitments that were made by, you know, both franchises uh, with these key players.
0: Right. And what I was wondering about with DeAndre Ayton, it really took the Pacers to force the Suns' hand to make sure that he got his deal. Now, there was a lot of talk beforehand with other pundits and other people on social media that DeAndre Ayton is just not getting the market value that he thought he would. He's not getting the max deal that people expected him to get. It really took the Suns to... Basically, waited out as far as the market said to pay him what they did because of the fact that they're deep into the luxury tax over the cap with their nine guaranteed contracts, not including Aiden uh, going into next season. So the salary cap being um, you know one hundred twenty three point five million, and then the luxury tax threshold being one hundred fifty point sixty five million. So, and they're already deep into the uh, over the cap with those nine contracts over that 123 mark uh, for next season. So do you feel like Aiton has something to prove? Will he take this as basically a clean slate or will he take this as motivation like to basically put the Suns on his back or will he basically try to prove everybody wrong that they undervalued him in the market? As a restriction yeah i think there's a
1: lot of pl- ways to go with this dana i think first uh the market has spoken and i i don't think anyone in their right mind thought the sons were ever just going to let da walk uh f- for nothing let alone you know james jones has been solid on his commitment to him uh but letting it play out to show what that value was um you know i think whether DeAndre Ayton likes that or not, I think the Suns, you know, matching in three minutes shows his com- their commitment to him. And so whatever, you know, bad blood there could be, I think Aiton's continuing to mature and has made it clear after last season, not getting, you know, his uh, max ex- ex- uh, contract ex- extension and, you know, approaching this season in the professional way that he did, I think he'll continue to go about that. I think, you know, he he's seeing the business side and not, you know, relating that to, um, you know, who he is as a, a person and what that, you know, shows for his play. I think I'm very hopeful that he does come out and show he's worth what he did earn because um, even though he didn't get what he wanted ultimately from the Suns, I think, uh, you know, that's that's still a, a huge contract and, uh, you know, that's a big-time commitment that they have made to him and that he has made to them and, and the Valley, and I... Uh, would expect him to continue to be a professional and continue to work hard and uh, hopefully continue to excel uh, year in and year out. But I think um, it, it definitely was the right move for the Suns. I, I said they handled it exactly how they should have uh, as quickly as they did, showing the commitment to him contrary to some reports you know Woj was you know stating he expected it to go down till saturday night when the Suns you know had their 48 hour clock and uh you know that was wrong and and they came out quickly and made sure they showed that level of commitment which um is exactly what uh, they should have done so i think all in all you know handled how it should have been i think and would hope deandre in his you know happy with that the marketplace has spoken and, and the Sun showed their commitment immediately with no hesitation,
0: right? And I feel like the Cardinals have done the same thing. Uh, the Cardinals gave their five year extension to Kyler out of his rookie deal, he's at the tail end of his rookie deal, uh, heading into what is going to be his fourth season in the NFL. He was offensive, uh, he was a rookie of the year, uh, back in 2019. One number one overall pick, uh, he replaced Josh Rosen, who's now at the, the who was a former uh, number, the top pick of the Cardinals back in 2018. And Cardinals traded him away to the Dolphins. And that started Josh Rosen's journey at, at quarterback for multiple teams, including the Falcons last season. Now with the Browns at training camp um, to try out for a spot there. Um, good luck with that going with uh, Deshaun Watson and, and everything in that situation. Um, but in AJ McCarron as well but the what I, my point is is that the Cardinal scene to can be committed to Kyler from the get even though it took them several months to pull that package together to keep him and get the pieces around him and it kind of went in reverse where you got Rodney Hudson back out uh Kyler Murray's best friend Hollywood Brown from the Baltimore Ravens Uh, He's a wide receiver that's one of the best in the game and one of the best young wide receivers who is also Kyler's best friend in Oklahoma. And they did everything they could to keep Kyler happy in the meantime, amid the whole social media snafu that was in February right after the Pro Bowl that he played in. And the agent, Eric Burkhart, you know, was basically complaining that Kyler's contract extension was taking way much longer than Uh, than Eric had expected, and basically acting like Ari Gold of Entourage on Twitter, complaining about the Cardinals compared to other uh, types of uh, other quarterbacks were getting their deals. But I feel like with Aiden and Kyler's situation, they're different but similar in the fact that both teams see that this is a – both had failures – in the playoffs, and they see this as running it back with their guys. Now, what do the Suns have to do, do you think, to put the right pieces around, and besides trying to go after Kevin Durant, to run it back and go further than their disappointing loss to the Dallas Mavericks in Game 7 on May fifteenth? Yeah,
1: I think, um, you know, the the roster is very similar to how last year ended. Obviously, losing JaVale McGee is a huge piece. Didn't have him the year before when uh, probably many people felt he would have helped us against uh the Bucks. And so losing that, you do have Mac Biyombo. So busy will play a more intricate role um, in, in that position. Uh, but it will look different than it obviously did two years ago and then it did last year. I think really getting, you know, a, a solid guard that is going to complement Chris Paul, whether that's the Suns deciding to rest him continually throughout the year, just meter his minutes down heavily in in most games, uh whatever, whatever that plan looks like for Monte, I think um, ensuring Chris Paul is fresh uh, for the playoffs um, is is what the focus should be based on what we've seen for these past two years now.
0: Yeah, the thing is is that JaVale McGee, backing up to him, they really didn't use him towards the end of that Mavericks series. Maybe game one when he stripped Luca and went coast to coast uh, on that dunk, and that was it. They yeah. didn't really have oh, yeah. any, but they didn't use them in anything else. And so I understand why JaVale McGee left three years instead of probably being offered a one-year deal. I don't know what happened in the behind the scenes with James Jones there and JaVale McGee, but I, my guess is that if they offered him a one-year deal, they probably offered him another one-year deal, just like they offered Biz Biyombo a one-year deal and Damian Lee from the Warriors a one-year deal and uh, Josh Okoji from the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves a one-year deal and the fact that Hey, McGee was entering free agency. They probably were going to not give any long-term deals or more than a two-year deal uh, to or to him because of they were trying to get leverage to get Kevin Durant in the trades, if if possible. Oh and yeah, that's what the Nets needed. That's basically what the writing on the wall says to me. Is as it, was, it says to you, the same right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and do, you know, your your colleague Dwayne Rankin reported. Um, in a piece from Javel McGee, where Javel stated that he goes, Look,
0: he's not uh, waiting on Aiden.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He goes, I'm Not just Aiden. I'm waiting on Aiden and NKD. And he's like, I'm not just going to sit around uh, and wait for that. And he got a three year offer. And again, it's a business. When you're Javel McGee at the stage of your career and you get that type of an offer from a team, uh, you're absolutely jumping on it. So um, I don't blame him. I, I, I like him. Uh, I'll miss him uh, from a fan side. But from a business perspective, I absolutely get it. It's the right move for him. And yeah, I think in that series, that was a good move. It's just he's not laterally quick enough. Um, you know, and is when it comes to, you know, being able to step out, exp- expand and uh, defend a potential guard on the perimeter, uh, where I think every time, you know, Javelle was in early on, um, once the Mavs got that figured out, Kidd would just exploit his lack of, um, you know, movement vertically. And yeah. so that, that's why I think that adjustment was made in terms of, you know, that particular series.
0: Yeah. And I believe with Devin coming back, I mean, everybody knew that Devin was going to come back. Nobody's going to question Devin being traded anymore because Devin is the centerpiece. He is the face of the team. Why would you trade the face of the team? Aiden, they tried to possibly get him in a sign-and-trade. They knew they couldn't do it because the Pacers, like we said in the last podcast, were out for him, and the Pacers really didn't have anybody that the Suns wanted for a sign-and-trade in return, uh, reportedly so. That means that the Suns had to wait out for Aiden to get his deal offer from the Pacers, and then the Suns were going to show their card, and that's why he came back with a team. And then moving on to something that we don't normally talk about, baseball. We had the All-Star game on Tuesday. The American League won for the ninth straight year. seems like the American League wins every year. That's, there's a something I saw that they are 23-3-1, and one, I believe, since the 1980s. Oh, uh, yeah. The it's National League. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a hitter's league. The American League's got all the big bats. So it's always been that way. Um, and the National League is known as the Pitchers League. But you did watch the All-Star game, and I watched it. What was your take on what you saw?
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's just interesting as someone that loves sports, just to watch. Um, you know, I think it's interesting when you compare sports. Something that stood out to me is uh, you know, people that don't watch baseball are like, oh, it's too slow, et cetera. But Um, It's interesting because we definitely can't mic up a player in the middle of a game uh, and just have continual conversation with him between pitches. Um, I was thinking about how interesting that would be to, you know, we have mic'd up and and we get clips of that in the NBA, but it's not, you know, Mike Breen or whoever the commentators are having a full conversation uh, with a player as they're, you know, dribbling up the court, taking their shots. So I think from a fan experience, that's interesting to see and, uh, and engage with. And I think, you know, early on the NL, Uh, looked strong. um, And then that kind of went away immediately. And then, uh, you know, they had one hit after the first inning, I believe. uh, That was in the eighth, if I recall correctly. And so, um, you know, I, I think it was
0: not as much
1: of an exciting game. You know, you get a lot of just talent all around pitching as well as uh, you know batting and so uh, it's just one of those events that just it's it's fun to watch I would say I enjoy it more than the Pro Bowl um, when what has come of that over the years uh, from from the, yeah, the Pro Bowl
0: sucks yeah, I'm it's awful. Saying, I can't I can't even come to watch it. Anymore. I love that tweet that JJ Watts said and during the Pro Bowl of February, he said, I've been through walkthroughs that are more intense than this. It's yeah, just- truly
1: <laughs> so in that regard, you know, it's still cool to turn on, watch, uh, you know, see the experiences that go on. But uh yeah, that, that was my take. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I love baseball. I love it because it's just the fact that it's the, the national pastime. I've always grown up watching it. I've always found a way to track it, even when I'm not interested. I always feel like I need to find a way to have some conversation piece to understand where I'm at in baseball every single year. I I need to be a part of that conversation. I lived in Boston for 17 years. Two things you need to know about living in Boston. You have to know different types of beer you like, uh, because you're always going to be a part of the Boston bar culture if you do drink, and I don't drink anymore. But I did drink beer as basically when in Rome, that type of scenario. And two, you have to know baseball because Boston is not only a hockey town and a basketball town, but it is a baseball town for the Red Sox history. And growing up as a Yankees fan, you got to know your enemy. So I had to always look at the standings, even when I'm kind of having a peripheral approach to the game. Um, and that's why I just, you know, lately I've been hard into it because of seeing what's going on with where Juan Soto is going to be traded from turning down a fifteen-year deal for Buku dollars from the Washington Nationals and wondering where he's going to go and where the market will shift once he goes there and gets an, you know, an extension probably with Dana. his team at number twenty-three. Dana, speaking about
1: that, did you hear the release? I think it was yesterday it came out, maybe the day before, that once he turned that down, the Washington Nash, or the Washington team did not send him on a charter uh, to the All-Star game.
0: Oh, really? I yeah. didn't see it. Yeah. They got petty, huh?
1: <laughs> Very. So some people are pretty upset with them of yeah, how made that.
0: Yeah, well, there's always one guy that ends up being the, the guy to ask questions. So where do you think you're going for the second half? Where do you think you're going by the trade deadline? Last year, it was Kyle Schwarber, I believe, who left. uh, He ended up going from the Cubs and as they ridded the last of that 2016 championship team to going over to the Red Sox and now he's with the Phillies, if I'm correct. So I always track who's going where. And I just love just the fact that the Stanton, Giancarlo Stanton was the MVP. The Yankees are on an all-time team run right now for one of the best regular seasons in the sports history. And you got the Mets, who are doing very well, and their pitching staff, of course, with DeGrom, and uh, you got, you know, uh, Max Scherzer, who's throwing Ks well, and other guys that are just doing so great over there, in New York Pete Alonso, and uh, Francisco Lindor, and what have you. So I'm really, really excited to see who goes where, especially with the Dodgers doing well. And uh, my wife is a Braves fan, and we're watching Freddie Freeman uh, do great over in you know the Dodgers right now. So uh, I, I definitely like the game, what I saw the other night. It got kind of boring towards the end after it went 3-2 after the fifth inning, uh, when Giancarlo Stan hit that uh, two-run shot to put the American League up 3-2. Um, and so there was really nothing more to see after that. Um, or actually, was it the fourth thing? I believe it was the fourth. Anyway, yeah, they. I, I just think that with baseball, it, the game has gotten really, really uh, boring to a lot of people, but they're doing a lot to make it exciting again. They had a great playoffs last year. Um, and also, they they had the Field of Dreams game last year that was great, and it had the walk-off home run from Tim Anderson. And I, as a black man, I'm looking for superstars that are African-American I grew up with those types. When I saw the Jeter documentary, he was one of them. Growing up in the tri-state area between Connecticut and New York City, uh, Derek Jeter was somebody who I looked to. Not many people consider him black, but he is black. He says it in that documentary that ESPN showed uh, that premiered on Monday called The Captain. You know, that was really, really great to see somebody like, you know, guys on the team like Gerald Williams and uh, Tim Raines and growing up, you know, seeing the – Yankees play against Fred McGriff, one of my favorite all-time players. You know, he played for the Atlanta Braves. And Tony Gwynn, rest in peace, played for the Padres. And uh, Daryl Strawberry and Doc Gooden and Frank Thomas, who had one of the greatest nicknames ever, the Big Hurt. I I look for those guys, and I feel like the major leagues they have some of those African-American players left. But I want to find a reason to watch so that I have more players that look like me and I wrote about this before and how the game has priced African-American kids out from travel ball you know grassroots level and that saddens me because these kids have not many that they can look to is subjected to racism and there's always going to be racism in baseball and I'm going to end my rant there uh but next before we go we're going to talk about Diana Taurasi and also Sue Bird, her best friend, are squaring off tonight, the last regular season matchup between the Phoenix Mercury and the Seattle Storm. Phoenix Mercury hasn't been done that well this season. Skylar Diggins, uh, she was on the ESPYs the other night, along with many other people, pushing for Brittany Griner to come home. And uh, it's just a really, really tragic story to see how Brittany Griner, obviously she's still alive, but the fact that she's been detained, begging for the U.S. government to bring her home, and that's a bigger story than Tarasi and Bird facing off for the last time. But as somebody from, I am from Connecticut, I definitely love seeing two best friends and the greatest rivals to ever play the women's game go up against each other for one last time. Do you ever go to Mercury games? I know your sons die hard, but what about your status with the Mercury?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I make, um, I would say, probably five to ten games a year and then the playoffs.
0: Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, so
1: absolutely. Um, you know, Diana has been phenomenal. And, um, you know, since day one of her arrival here, you you get such a, if you haven't been to a WMA game, you get so much more... Um, connection with the players they they just it's just a whole different arena so you're able to meet and greet with the players almost every fan off after many games you know pre covid um the accessibility to them is is just so much greater than the NBA and so um then obviously Sue Bird um for the commercial that I did for the NBA um holiday NBA lane Christmas edition you know Sue Bird was part of that and her and I specifically were on set uh and off set together probably for the first four hours just her and I Um, so really got to spend a lot and that was before she knew she was coming back so we talked a lot about that um, you know during that time and just her career who she is as a person so um, obviously the impact they have transcends uh, just WNBA basketball in general you know women's rights the list goes on and on so uh, two phenomenal uh, you know individuals in on this planet and and two that you know I've been blessed to uh, speak with and have conversations with and so uh, I know how special tonight will be that that Sue has made it clear this is her last year and and the friendship that her and Diana have so um I wish I was in town for this one because uh, it, it's going to be a fun one for sure yeah
0: so does Sue Bird her retirement mean that the WNBA has a, a new face sometime somehow some way with someone who will that be it's a great
1: question. I, I don't think it's gonna be just one. I think you know you have you still have Diana Tarazi, you have got Candace Ryan.
0: Parker playing. So she's, she's,
1: yeah, Candace will be here still for a few. There, there's quite a few. I don't think one's just gonna prevail. And what I really believe is so well, many, Sabrina, uh,
0: Sabrina Ainescu,
1: maybe? Yeah, that that that's where I'm going, Dana is there's so many that are not just young, there's some that are, you know, closer to retirement, there's some in the middle of their prime, there's some up and coming. So I don't know that there's just going to be one that just kind of Prevails, if you will, as that player. Um, and if it is, I think it's going to kind of be this. We're going to see that for the next couple of years, and it's going to happen again and again, uh, be just because of the age of the game. You know, WNBA was fairly new. Um, now it's it's not, and so you're, you're building, and there's a lot of talent there. So I think it's really going to be interesting. You know, as she retires, what that looks like for the landscape when it comes to you know talking about one of the greats or the greatest uh, for the WNBA.
0: Yeah, I got one name to throw out there who's could be a potential. Front runner for face, Azer Wilson from the Las Vegas Aces.
1: Yeah, yeah, she's solid.
0: She's an MVP. She came in and won the MVP as a second year player. Led their team to a title in 2020, correct? Under Billy Beer. Okay. So last year the title went to the Chicago Sky, and the face of the Chicago Sky is Candace Parker, hometown kid. Came back from playing out in the Los Angeles Sparks for thir- nine, 10, 10 years before then, I believe. And so I don't have the n- correct number, but it was for a- about a decade, came home and won a title in her first year on a one-year deal with the Chicago Sky at that. So um, I-, I believe that it- it's not just one, you're right. But if there's a front runner, as there always is for every league, just like the NBA has uh, for uh, the- their faces, LeBron James, NFL, Tom Brady. Uh, for the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team, it's Megan Rapinoe, uh, and for WNBA, it's basically been Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi of the Mercury. So when they retire, if and Taurasi is not an All Star this year, um, you know Skylar Diggins Smith was an All Star uh, this past uh, a couple weeks ago in Las Vegas. So Asia Wilson. Uh, and Kelsey Plum was the MVP of the all-star game in um, and, and Chicago. But I think that Wilson would probably be that person if the fact that the Aces continue to do well under Becky Hammond and a first-year coach who replaced Bill Ambeer. So yeah,
1: they look great. Yeah. They look
0: great. And so with Inesco, of course, she came in with a lot of hype, uh, well-deserved because of being the all-time assist leader and uh, scorer. Uh, I believe, in college, basket, women's college basketball history, right? Uh, I can't remember the record offhand. I think it is she had the most assists and um, she scored the most points and assists in a season, single season, I believe it was, or something like that. But um, she basically is one of them. And she's emerged. She's had a great season. She's the first to have a 30-point triple-double in WNBA history uh, with 30 points and you know, double digits in two other categories, assists, and in, I believe, those rebounds. So that's the thing about these players, is that there always has to be a face to sell the league. And with the WNBA continuing to try to get uh, start solvency, uh, as not all teams are at that point, not all teams profit. A lot of them had to downsize uh, over the past couple of years. and uh, go to uh, arena, from arenas to smaller venues just to, you know, sp- basically decrease their profit margins. Uh, they pretty much just have to have a face to sell fans on who's gonna be the future of the WNBA. That could be Paige Beckers from UConn too, when she comes, well, we got another two years until she comes back because kids can't, you know, come out of college that are part of uh, women's college basketball as underclass players, which is ridiculous anyway. So I just wanna conclude this and say thanks, Patrick, for being a part of this all the time with me. You're in Chicago till when? What day?
1: Oh, I uh, fly back tomorrow.
0: Okay, yep. on Saturday. Yep. Okay, the 23rd. Well, I used to cover high school volleyball uh, here in Arizona, and it was one of the better sports that I covered for a long time. I love women's. love covering the boys. I look forward to seeing what Peoria does uh, this spring. Um, Also, of course, basketball this winter. Go Panthers. I'm rooting for you all.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Great time as always. Thanks, Dana.
0: All right. Peace, y'all. Episode 12 of Inferno. Be safe.